What is up, potted people? Daryl almost had my mic turned on. And why am I using his name? Because when anytime somebody messes up, you just got to call him out by name. Everybody say, hi, Daryl. Hey, if it's your first time here today, my name is Craig, and my wife Patty and I get to pastor the coolest church on the planet. That's you. So thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part. Um, hey, while we're doing while we're doing this whole thing, uh, there's a lot of people watching online. Will you guys put your hands together? Help me welcome all of our friends and family watching on Facebook, church online platform, YouTube. We love you guys, and we are glad that you are here. So, how's your cup holder? So we've decided now that we have cup holders and brand new chairs, the first person to spill coffee, um, you're excommunicated from the church. Okay, we have cup holders now. We have cup holders now. So, and as they're cleaning up coffee, as I say that, that's hilarious all at the same time. Welcome to South Point. So um, we are starting a brand new series today called Made for Monday, Not Just Sunday. And the whole point of this series, let me just tell you how we're starting off the new year. I thought it would be so cool to give you, to give all of us the tools and the building blocks that we can learn on Sunday that will help us have a victorious, good, amazing Monday. Wouldn't it be awesome? Riddle me this, Batman. Wouldn't it be awesome if tomorrow, when we wake up from now on, instead of saying, Oh my God, it's Monday, where we wake up and go, it's Monday. (laughs) Some of you are like, we'll see how this goes, right? Because you want to, because Mondays are that way, but I think the right tools, today we're going to talk about fasting. Um, We start a fast today. Next week, we're going to talk about the Sabbath. The week after that, we're going to talk about worship. I'm going to lay out the three different levels of angelic worship in heaven. You don't want to miss it, I'm just telling you. And then after that, we're going to talk about community and fellowship. It's going to be fantastic. Okay, so these are tools that we want to apply to our lives, and when we do that, things change. Things change. They just get better, and I want my Monday to be better because this year, listen, this year is full of possibilities and chances. Come on. There's a chance this year. There's a chance, my favorite section. There's a chance this year that you might lose weight. There's a chance. There's a chance you might quit smoking. There's a, there's a chance you might find somebody to marry. There's a chance. There's a chance you might get divorced. There's, there's a chance. There's a chance you might cut your finger off. So what happened was, see, I'm going to have to tell you this story because if I don't tell you this, it really doesn't have anything to do with my message, but if I don't tell you this story, you won't hear a single thing I have to say after this, uh, because you'll always be thinking, hi, does he know he has that on his hand? So I'm going to tell this story today, and this is what happened. However, if anybody asks me next week what happened to my hand, here's the not true story, but it's what you're going to start hearing. I was in a bar fight (laughs) with a bear to save a young lady in distress. That's the next story. The true story is what happened was 
we took the family up to Memphis to race some go-karts, those high-speed go-karts, and came around a turn, and a dude hit me from behind, and that's normally normal, right? I mean, if you've ever raced go-karts, you know you're hitting and bumping and all that stuff, that's totally fine. But for whatever reason, this was this freak accident. He hit me, and then his cart went up and landed on top of me. Yeah, say that, because it hurt. I go, ooh, ooh, ooh. Now, people have always asked the number two two main questions. They're like, because it broke my finger off, my pinky broke my finger off. So the two main questions that they ask is, did they put the finger back on? They did with steel pins. Come on. I can still count to ten. And then the second one is they want to know, Pastor, did you cuss? In all fairness... I would have, but the Lord said, the world don't need to hear that, so I passed out, which just, you know, just makes it, <laughs> that is an absolute true story, and then I stood up, and I'm like, I'm good, and started thinking some things, and then I passed out again, and so I just thought, you know, it's just going to be better if I just keep my tongue under control, you know what I'm saying? Would anybody like to see the x-ray? Throw that up here. There we go. Just, just, look, just look at it. Would you look at it? Just look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, there, there you go. What's interesting is the minute it happened, like the minute it happened, people started asking. Like the same 24-hour period that this happened. You can take it down. People started asking. So... So are you going to sue them? Or whose fault is it? Isn't it funny that as Americans, we turn to lawsuits and fault before anything else? Let me help you. I can't say this when anybody else is injured, but now that I am the victim, now that I'm the injured one, I get to say these things. So here's the deal. Anytime you're going to do something that's an adrenaline rush, danger is involved and you might get hurt. So don't complain about safety features on one hand, and then the next day when you get hurt, you're looking for a lawyer. I know some of you do not like that at all. I can tell. So we'll just start off the new year like this. Welcome to South Point. The front of the church is covered in doors. Pick one. Because I don't, I don't, there's not a blame. Why are we always trying to find blame? Do you know accidents happen? Y'all aren't getting this. Okay. See, it all got messed up. I'm going to go back to the 18th century. It all got messed up all the way back in the 18th century where they started this thought process. I'm going to track this through and you guys can, you'll, you'll get it. In the 18th century, they had this idea that all of a sudden happiness was good. Okay, that, that's where it started, this idea. Happiness is good. And then in the 19th century, you fast forward, that idea that happiness was good evolved and morphed into this idea that pleasure, pleasure is now good. Okay? Are y'all tracking with me? Yeah. And by the way, you're just going to look at this cast for like two months, so just, just get, you get used to it, all right? Um, 18th century happiness and then 19th century pleasure to where we are now we're all, it's shifted to where now it's unless it feels good and is pleasurable, it's not right. We judge something being right or wrong based on whether it makes us feel good or not. 
Pleasure has become the litmus test for truth, and it was never meant to be that way. The minute something is uncomfortable, we're like, oh, that can't be God. Why can't it be God? Who said it can't be God because it's uncomfortable? Now, I'm guilty of this too. We bring this into the church, and I, I'm, I'm guilty. I'll tell you right now. I ask people regularly, and I'll keep asking it, but you need to understand the question. I probably asked you this sometimes. Hey, I'll say, hey, did you enjoy church today? Right? That's a, I've asked, I, I use that question all the time. And, and I think the question's okay. I'm going to keep saying it, but here's the problem. If we, we need to understand that uh, church should be enjoyable, but the times that it's not enjoyable does not mean it was not a good service or it does not mean that God was not in the house. Because just because, can I tell you something? Conviction of the Holy Spirit does not feel good at all. Being offended by the truth of God's word does not feel good. And if you get that feeling, you might say, well, that's just not good. No, no, just the opposite. It's miserable and it's so good. We have gotten so messed up in America where we do everything to have no discomfort and no pain. And some of the best teachers in the world is discomfort and pain. I've never said this before, but they are responding louder than y'all. Some of the best teachers is pain and discomfort. Can I get a witness in the house? Yeah, see. <laughs> uh, and that's why Christians across America don't fast because it's uncomfortable. If you enjoy fasting and it's comfortable, can I tell you something? You're doing it wrong. You wackadoodles that are like, oh, I can't wait for the fast. What are you smoking? I hate fasting. Can we just be honest? But just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not godly and good. It's a discipline of the faith. It's a discipline of the faith, and you should be uncomfortable. It should make you just a little bit, I'm just, good. Good. You're growing. You're growing. So we are declaring a fast here at South Point. Um, January 8th from like today to the 15th. So for the next week, we are doing a fast. And if you need it to be official, here you go. Hear ye, hear ye, the fast I declare ye. You like that? Yeah, that was official. All right, so we're going to do a fast. And so if you're new here or you're new to this whole idea um, humor, those of you that call South Point home and you've been here for years, you're going to have to humor me a little bit today, okay? But I want to make sure that everybody is informed on what fasting is because it seems to be this dying discipline in our country, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. So what is fasting? You can fill in the blank in your notes. Fasting is abstaining from all food or partial food for a spiritual purpose. Please notice that it's for a spiritual purpose, not just to lose weight. So if you step into fasting this week and you're like, oh, I'm going to lose, What's your, what is your goal with the Lord, your relationship goal? I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay, you might want to just try Weight Watchers instead of fasting. 
I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm, the purpose of fasting is, is losing weight a side effect? Yeah, this is a pretty good one, right? It's a pretty good one, right? But it's not the purpose. The purpose is spiritual purposes. And so we're pushing back the plate. Are there other things that you can fast from? Yes, but you need to understand. I want you to understand the basic core message of biblical fasting is food. Pushing back the plate and stepping away from food. Are there other things that you can fast from? Absolutely. And we'll talk about some of those. But it's, it's got to start in food. So let me tell you the different, quickly, tell you the different kinds of fasts. You can fill these in your notes. I just want you to have this information. Okay, I'm not going to really discuss it. Because I want to move on after this to what we are fasting for and what we're declaring as South Point Church for this next year. Okay, is that... Um, so here's the different kinds of fasts. Some of you might know this, some of you might not. That's totally cool. The first one is the Esther fast. Um, there's other guys in the Bible that did this. Uh, Esther is the first one in the Bible that I found, like chronologically, you know. Um, so that's not a theological term. That's just a Craig Wendell term. You can call it whatever you want, whatever. Um, but fa- the Esther fast is this desperate fast where you don't eat any food or water. No food or water. No, nothing goes in your mouth for three days. That's like... That's legit, yo. Um, second one is full fast, which is only liquids or water, you know, depending on how you want to do that. Um, partial fast, certain foods or certain meals. And so I think you can see in this there's a lot of leeway. Don't turn into this legalistic person when it comes to fasting. Please don't do that. That takes away the, the stuff. And if you mess up, I say this every year, if you mess up, like you f- trip and fall face first into a basket of french fries. Okay. <laughs> the Lord be with you. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead and eat to your heart's content. <laughs> but then get back on the wagon. Just do it again. I have a pastor buddy. This was several years ago. We were, we were talking on the phone. We were both doing a 21-day fast. We were fasting, and I'm on the phone with him. And I said, what are you doing? And he's like, he, just, he wasn't as miserable sounding as I was. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what are you doing? He said, bro, I messed up. I'm like, what did you do? He said, I just finished off a half gallon of ice cream. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, you're so going to throw up. And he did. And you might say, well, who is that? Well, that was Pastor Hal. Anybody remember Pastor (laughs) Hal? Probably shouldn't have told that on the one that's being televised. Anywho, um, if you mess up, just get back in there. Don't, Don't fret. You're not going to hell, right? We're trying to just get closer to God. Make sense? Sun up to sundown fast. I have water only in here. You can do other things, but I always encourage you, if you're going to do sun up to sundown, do only water. Why? Here's the reason why. Right now, this time of year, we have approximately 10 hours of daylight a day. Let me encourage you. You can go 10 hours with just water. Oh, I can't live without my coffee. I can't live without my Mountain Dew. I can't live without my Red Bull. I can't live without... Anything you put in that blank other than Jesus Christ shows how far we've strayed. Welcome to South Point. Um, Daniel fast. The Daniel fast is no meat, no alcohol, no sweets or bread. 
Plain and simple, people try to make that one really complicated, it's not. Um, and, then, and then I have fasting additives on here, and the, what this is, these are things that you would add to, sometimes people think that these are fasting, these are not fasting, like social media, getting off of social media for a week, or getting, not watching news for the week, or stop listening to your favorite podcast, or your blog, whatever, um, for a week. Uh, just fasting those is not fasting, because what is, what is biblical fasting? It's it's some type of food, okay? Just get that in your mind. But do I think you should add these different things onto your fast? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, because the whole point, the whole big picture of fasting is we're trying to hear God's voice more clear. We're trying to get closer to him. So why would we allow random other voices into our life when we're trying to narrow it down to hear his voice? Does that make sense? Everybody say, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Joel 1.14 says this. Declare a holy fast. And we did that, right? Hear ye, hear ye. I declare a fast ye. You've eaten your last talk. Okay. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God. And cry out to the Lord. Here's what I want us crying out to the Lord at South Point for the next seven days. This is it. You ready? I know you have personal things. Let me just back up. I know you have personal things that you're fasting about and for, and that's great. Please keep doing that. But as a corporate body, this is something we're doing together as your pastor. I highly encourage you to fast with us some way, some form. And this is what I want us all focused on, declaring an awakening for our church. Now, you might say, well, why are you saying that, using that word? Okay, you guys know the biblical word. Most people know that word, revival, right? And it's, it's a good biblical word. I'm not saying it's not. It is. But I think we've kind of messed that word up nowadays because it almost has the mindset that I'm praying for revival in my church or my family, whatever. I'm praying for revival, and it's like something that I achieve, and then I've arrived, you know what I'm saying? I just like the idea of awakening because I feel like as a church, there's a lot of us, myself included, there's a lot of us that have just been lulled to sleep by the culture that we live in. Where our spirit, man, the things that we should be spiritually passionate about, it's not like they don't exist, they're just asleep. We're not near as vocal or passionate about the spiritual things that we should be. People ask so many questions about how is this world going to end and what about the end times and what about this? Why isn't anybody asking the other questions of spiritually, how do we be a part of ushering in the kingdom of God right now? How can I make a difference at my work? How can I make a difference at my school? How can I make, why are we always talking about the doomsday and all this stuff instead of saying, God, awaken my spirit and let me be as passionate for the lost as you are. Let me stop ignoring the people around me. Let me start realizing that they need Jesus. And the reason they're being a turd is because they don't have you in their soul. So the best way to deter DeSoto County, <laughs> can I say that? I don't know. The <laughs> Probably not. The best way to do that is to have our spirits awakened and realize that there's more going on here than people's poor driving skills on 240. Come on. And we get so focused on the low-hanging fruit and never realize that God is still trying to do the same thing that Jesus said when he walked this planet. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is, is at hand. Peace, righteousness, and joy. That's the kingdom of God. We should be focused on those things. 
There's an example there in 1 Samuel. Let me, let me give you the... Uh, nope, there's a sample there. You can read it. Talk about Eli. Um, fasting changes things. Here's the second one. You ready for the second one? Here's the second one. Declaring freedom from bondage. Declaring freedom from bondage. This week, fasting can set you up for a victory that you never knew you even were, had available to you. What is that thing that has been with you for the longest time? Like, you can't seem to get out of it. It's that thing that has a hold of you. Spiritually speaking, biblically speaking, we would call that a stronghold. What has a stronghold on your life? This is the year that fasting, I believe it, it's a discipline that changes your heart and has the ability to get you free from those things. The disciples, okay, so the disciples, they're hanging out with Jesus, right? And there's, how many, how many, okay, we're going to have to do math, so we're going to help out all of our Arkansas people, okay? <laughs> Look, everybody over here from Horn Lake, they're like, we ain't God, we can't help, we don't know, okay. So Jesus has 12 disciples, and there's a time where Jesus sent out all 12 disciples to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and they did that. They were successful. Everything was great and wonderful. They come back, and then a few chapters later, that happened in Matthew chapter 10. So then you fast forward to Matthew chapter 17, and Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. How many is that? Three. Some of you good. Three. You should have been impressed with that. That was quite the feat. Um, three. And so there was 12 disciples, and so Jesus takes three disciples up the mountain, and so that leaves nine. Somebody said seven. Ah! I'm not even going to look. I'm back over here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back over here. He leaves nine disciples down there, and this dad brings his kid to the disciples that's having these epileptic seizures and, and asks the disciples to pray for him in healing. And the disciples try, the nine disciples try, and it doesn't work. So then here comes Jesus with Peter, James, and John, the other three reuniting the band with the other nine. And they come down, and the dad tells them, and Jesus is like, bro, y'all are horrible at this. Be healed. And the kid is healed, and everything's wonderful. Okay, so later on, the disciples pull Jesus aside, and they're confused. Why were some, watch this, and please take it internally, why are some of my prayers answered? God, why are you answering these prayers in my life? And you did send out the, not, send out the 12, remember? You're, you're, God's doing good things in your life, right? But why is it this one, this thing that's had a hold of me for so long, why, why, why are you not answering that prayer? Why are you answering those? You're even answering a multitude of prayers but you're not answering this one prayer. Why is that? Look at Jesus' answers in Matthew 17. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And they're talking about the spirit of the epileptic boy. Why couldn't we do that? Why didn't it work? He replied, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There are some strongholds that still have a stronghold in your life because you are not stepping into the discipline that has the power to tear it down. But this is your year. I'm not throwing shade at you. I want to encourage you. This is your year. Come on, declare it through this fast. This is the year you get set free from pornography. Come on, this is the year you get set free from your spirit of gossip. 
Come on, this is the year you get set free from lying. This is the, this is the year that you get set free from your sexual lust that's totally out of bounds. This is the year that you finally get set free from fear, depression, anxiety. This is the year that you will set you free from those things. But this is a discipline that's up to you. So let me just challenge you. Is a difficult seven days worth being set free from a stronghold that's had its hold on you for years? I think so. And imagine how 2024, I know, that's a, I understand. Imagine how 2024 will treat you when you step into that year set free from your stronghold. Think about it. Think about it. That's awesome, isn't it? All right, you ready for the next one? Here's the other thing. We're, that was kind of weak, but all right. Here's the next. Here's number three. We're going to be declaring blessings over our trouble. Blessing over our trouble. Anybody in here, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but anybody in here have anything that's troubling them? Anything that's keeping you up at night? Anything that just, it's not like it's this major, like, stronghold thing. It's just, it's troublesome, right? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your business, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your health. I, you know, I mean, just something that just, it bothers you. It bothers you. Um, let me say again, fasting is an amazing discipline that changes. There's this, there's this dude in the Old Testament, his name's Ezra. He's actually a minor prophet. Ezra is, in the Old Testament, has 10 chapters, so it's not a long book at all. And Ezra is, he's a godly man, and he is tasked with this job. This is so cool. He is tasked with this job to go from one kingdom to take all of this money. In fact, I have the numbers, okay? Ezra had to deliver 7,500 pounds of gold and 2 million pounds of silver to Jerusalem. So he had to go take all of this money from where he was to Jerusalem, but to get to Jerusalem, he had to pass through Orange Mound. <laughs> he had to pass through a very difficult place, shall we say that, with lots of difficult people, right? How are we doing? Am I being politically correct? Never, not once have I ever been politically correct. But he's trying, he has to move all this stuff through, and if you, he was like you, he was freaking out. The king of this, this kingdom sent a small contingency of military with him to protect him. And Ezra got to the border of Orange Mound, spare me, all right, got to the border of Orange Mound, and he stopped, and he's freaking out, and here's what he did. You can go home and read it. It's fascinating. He turns to the small group of militia guys that are with him, and he says, y'all can go back. We don't need you, because you're such a small group. Your power has no real ability to protect all of this, but God's the one who sent us on this mission, so God will protect us. Isn't it interesting, when you get into trouble, what we tend to do is put our attention and our trust in a small militia of our own works of our hands, rather than turning and realizing that we can really do nothing. It's all on his shoulders. Sink or swim, walk or fail, it's in his hands. And so I would rather, just like Ezra, just turn my attention and to him. Isn't that cool? All right, so Ezra 8.21 says this. Look at, how, look at how he shifted gears. I proclaimed... Uh, 
A fast. Look, these two sections are fabulous. Now what's up with you guys? Oh my goodness, these new chairs. I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children and all of our possessions. And guess what happened when you read to the book of the end of Ezra? Every single penny was accounted for. Nothing was taken. No harm was brought to them. Why? Because they put their trust in God, not in what they could do or manipulate or accomplish themselves. This year... Trust God. It'll go a whole lot better for you. Number four. This is one thing, another thing we're going to do this, this fast. This is something I do every single year for the fast, um, and that's declaring wisdom for my future. I pray this prayer all the time. I want wisdom. I, I need wisdom. When you fast, it will, do, it will give you the ability to have wisdom about should you get a new job? What job should you get? Should you marry? Should you date? Should you, what a, wisdom is amazing and it comes through fasting. There's a, there's a great story there. It's in your notes. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Acts 9, 3 through 6, there's a story of the apostle Paul. Before he's named Paul, he's named Saul. And Saul is walking down the road and Jesus appears to him. This is after Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus appears to the apostle Paul, at that time Saul, and says, hey, bruh, Stop fighting me. You're on my team. Come on, stop fighting me. And so Paul, after that, after that encounter, is blind. The Bible tells us that he just loses his sight. So he goes, and he, he's led to this place, and he, guess what he does? Guess what he does? He fasts and prays for three days. He does the Esther fast. No food, no water. Three days. He fasts. And God hears him and sends this prophet Ananias to him. Check this out. Verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it where Saul was. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Before I go any further, some of you during this fast, you need to see again. You once saw, and you've allowed scales to build up on your eyes, you've allowed scales to build up on your conscience and your soul, and you've just accepted certain things, and it's time for those scales to come off. Immediately, immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. Listen, fasting and prayer will help you see again. Some of you are looking at your kids, some of you look at your kids, and all you see in them now is what the world has told you they are. And you've accepted what that is instead of looking, take the scales off, look deep in their heart and realize who God made them to be. Some of you have been looking at your spouse in a wrong way, meaning you're always judging them based on their actions. Can I tell you something? You need the scales off so you can see the beauty of Jesus Christ that's in them. Fasting and prayer. It'll take the scales off of your eyes. All right, here's the last one. You ready? You ready? Why not? You're here. You might as well write it down. Declaring victory over my enemy. Declaring victory over my enemy. So you guys know the Barner Research Group. If you don't, there's a, it's just a research group. But they, they came out with this stat, and this one, you ever read something and you're like, that can't be true. Even though it's like a scientific thingy, whatever, anybody, just me, whatever. Um, they came up with this stat and it said this, 51, over 
of born-again Christians don't believe in the devil. Let me rephrase that just so we're all on the same page. Over 51% of born-again Christians do not believe that a devil exists. Okay. You can stick your head in the sand all day long if you want to, but that doesn't make him go away. And let me just, if you're one of that 51% here or watching online, let me encourage you with this. You have a real enemy. His name is Satan, devil, Lucifer, that hates you and wants to destroy you. Where do you get that, Pastor Craig? John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not like, and you're like, well, what has he ever done? What have I ever done to him? Why does he hate me? You're nothing but a tool that he's using to break God's heart. Because he knows he can't get to the Father. He can't get to God. He's not more powerful than God. But you know who is the closest to God's heart and the most precious person ever in God's sight? You. And listen, you want to mess with a father? You mess with his kids. Come on, any dads in the house? Any real dad? Like, you know, you're going to defend your kids? You mess with my kids. Bro, I can't fight you right now, but I know some guys. I'll call up Mike over here. He'll help me out, won't you? Yeah, yeah, he'll help me out. He'll be my other hand. Let's be honest. This one, I, let's be honest. I'm not a fighter. The point is, the point is, the enemy wants to destroy you. He doesn't care about you. He wants to destroy you because he wants to hurt God's heart. All the sin, all the pain, all the junk in our world, why, does, why is God angry at it? He's not angry at you for doing it. He's angry at what it does to you. He loves you that much. But listen, you have to understand that there is a real enemy. And if you are going to attack and come against and fight against a spiritual enemy, common sense, facts, and knowledge will not work. I hear people all the time, well, I just can't figure God out. I'm not sure if I believe this. I need more facts. You're in the wrong business, sweetheart. This is a walk of faith. It is a spiritual attack, and if all you're bringing is facts and all this stuff to the fight, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. You've heard, you've heard that phrase before. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians 10, 3. It says this, we're human. Everybody said, mm-hmm, most of the time. We're human, but we don't fight as other people do. We don't fight as humans do. We don't wage war as humans, physical, fleshly humans do. We use God's mighty weapons not worldly weapons. What are, the, what, what are those weapons? Can I tell you something? two of those weapons? Prayer and fast. You guys are getting it. Prayer and fasting are two of these weapons. And look at what these things do. It goes on. What do we use these weapons for? The very thing that we've been praying for. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Weapons of our warfare. It's real. So if you came in here not believing in an enemy. See, if you don't believe in an enemy, that's why you start blaming bad things on God. Why would God allow that? How about there's a horrible enemy that wants to destroy us? That's not God's PR. Put that on the devil. 
can I pray with you guys? Some of you are staring at me like I'm crazy. So let's just go ahead and do that. Some of you, first time here, you're like, it must be the pain medication why he's acting like this. Um, not on any pain medication. No, I'm always like this. Okay. Let's just, let's just pray. This is going to be an awesome week. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you so much. Father, I thank you that you love us so much that you give us uncomfortable disciplines to do, to learn and to grow, to become more like you. And so, Father, right now, everybody in this room, everybody watching online, I ask that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, right now that you speak to us, right now, in this moment, if we were already planning on fasting, encourage us. Father, right now, let us just get a little more boldness, a little more encouragement. Let us just be a little bit stronger, and let us have an amazing week. If you're here and we're not planning on fasting, we're just like hanging out, whatever, Father, I just ask that you, you encourage them. But Lord, I also ask that you convict them, that it just be a little bit uncomfortable for them, because that uncomfortableness makes them even better because doing it will make them more like you. So, Father, I ask that you walk with us this week, that you be with us this week, that you answer the prayers, that you speak to our hearts, and you continue to make us more and more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Before we take off, um, if, if you have a certain prayer that you're fasting over, something certain, and you want to write that down, I would encourage you to write that down on a piece of paper. There's paper up here on both sides. You can stick it to the cross, stick it up there, just as like a commitment. And then if you want prayer, there's people down front on both sides that would love to pray with you. You don't have to do the prayer. That's totally cool. But there's people down front that would love to pray with you for any situation. And then last but not least, um, there's communion elements down front on both sides if you're a follower of Christ and you would like to take communion. All right? Stand with me if you will. Talking on fasting. I probably messed up your whole lunch plans. Hopefully I did. I love you guys very much. We're going to have an awesome week. All right, let's pray the benediction and we will jet on out of here. Heavenly Father, right now, we just ask that the words of our mouth, the meditations in our heart, Lord, they'll be acceptable in your sight. You're our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, y'all. Love you.